Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his own love toward us. And if you look this up in the original language, what it says is it demonstrates his own kind of love, which delineates a reality that the love of God is specifically different from any kind of love that we have ever known. So I want to specifically, I, I want to narrow in on those words again. God demonstrates his own kind, or if I could even add this word, his quality, the kind and the quality of his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, I ask you for your help. I ask God for your grace. Uh, and that we would have hearts to receive what you would want to speak to us today. Amen. Amen. The quality of God's love is not to be assumed then that the love that I am familiar with or I've heard about is what I, in other words, my definitions of love are so different. In fact, what Paul proclaims is that God made the decision that in order to reveal what his love looks like, he came and he demonstrated it. So I'm going to encourage us uh, just this morning. to He demonstrates it in self-giving, self-sacrificial love and forgiveness. Two thousand fourteen in the southern area of France near the near the border of Spain there there's kind of a hill country there second largest city in France is Toulouse on the outskirts of Toulouse uh, there is where this story took place there there's an old farmhouse now let me give this a little bit of a backdrop in that in this part of of the world there are homes that have that have been in, in uh, families, certain families, for generations, never been sold, just passed from one generation to another to another. There's an old farmhouse on the outskirts of Toulouse in the south of France that is like that. In 2014, uh, the generation of the family that inherited this old farmhouse on the outskirts of Toulouse uh, went and visited this house that they had newly inherited. And to their surprise, of course, they were aware of the fact that no one had actually lived in this home for quite some time, but they wanted to go see what it was like. Now, I need to give a little bit of a preface to this fact. Um, Denise and I had this privilege of going into a home that was in Germany at one point, uh, boy, years and years ago. I don't want to say how many years ago because it will date us, but it's a long time ago. By the way, bunny trail. I went up and... and I was, I, I was, let me just say, I was identifying with a soon-coming birthday that I'm about to have. I identified it with my, uh, with, 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 with Jen, that it was possibly the same birth year. But in blurting out the birth year, it sounded like I was calling her older than she was. So I, I, I have to beg her forgiveness again, but uh, be reminded again, don't ever do that again, Ben. So now you're going to be sitting there going, what year was he talking about? You can just sit and think for a while. All right. No, don't do that. Stay with me. 
so we're, we're at this house. My, my wife and I, are, it's in the early 80s, okay, that we went to go visit this, this house in Germany. One of the things that we noted as we're walking through this house is that the doorways are, you know, the, the door frames are a lot lower. And the owner of the house at that time explained to us, yes, people have actually gotten taller through the centuries. So it actually revealed that this house was hundreds of years old. This house is kind of like that. Very old home. And so the, the, these, this new generation of, of kids, that I say kids, young people that inherited the house, decided they wanted to take a look all through the house. They looked at it, and they decided, you know, one of the things we could do to make this livable, if we were to take, you know, a move and take residence in this house, is we could, we could actually finish the attic. So they went up to the attic, and to their surprise, uh, they were not able to get into the attic because the attic door was locked. Couldn't find the key. They had to, uh, they had to just, you know, un un use force to get the door open uh, to the attic. And as, when they finally got the door opened, much to their surprise, or I shouldn't say it wasn't really their surprise, they found what they had actually anticipated, generations worth of toys and trinkets and stuff that people have jammed up into the attic. And as they looked around, they, their conclusion was initially, you know what, most of this is probably just junk. And we likely need to get a dumpster and get it thrown out of here so that we can refinish this attic. But then they decided, you know what, we're going to contact a local antique appraiser and auctioneer and see if maybe some of this stuff is worth something. So they put in the call to Mark Labarbe uh, in, in the city of Toulouse to come by and to take a look at their home. In between the time when they got the door open to the attic and they contacted the appraiser. Now, you know, in a little village, word gets around. So somehow the word got around to enough folks that thieves broke into that house. They found out that the attic was open. Now, one of the things, by the way, that the owners, the, the, these new, this new generation of owners discovered was that not only was this thing full of toys and trinkets and junk, but they had a leak in the roof that had leaked upon all, you know, several different things. It looked like it had left you know, damage even to things that might be worth something. They were damaged. And so you know, that was what they walked away with. So they're really not expecting that much. But again, between the time when this man comes into the house and, or I mean, when they called him and when he came into the house, thieves broke into the house. And those thieves got up into the attic and they took pretty much everything that anybody thought might be worth something. Toys, uh, antiques that were, you know, likely worth hundreds of dollars. And so to their disappointment, they finally met Mark Labarbe the day that he arrives on April the 23rd, 2014, and they accompany him up into the house. And as he comes up into the house, into this attic, you know, coming past the door, do we have the picture up there now? Yeah, that's the attic right there. That's what they found, just full of stuff. And, and uh, the one thing that, that caught Mark's eye was a, a large painting. This thing is 57 inches tall, 68 inches wide. And it was really, it, 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 it caught his eye. It didn't actually catch the owner's eye because 
they, like the thieves, thought it was whatever that was was probably worthless because it had been water damaged from the roof. It had a mattress laying on it. And so Mark begins to uncover this, and he begins to wipe off some of the dust, and this painting has got like a fog over it, and it's been, it's been really damaged. It's old, but nobody really has any idea of how old it's going to be. But for this appraiser, he began to wonder if there was a possibility that it might be something that was in the back of his mind. Oh, could it possibly be that? After five years of careful research and then a professional restoration, it was announced to the utter shock of the art world that up to that point, there were 63 known pieces that belonged to a man about 100 years. You know, we all know about a man by the name of Michelangelo. You've heard of him, right, from Italy. There's another Italian artist that was about 100 years after Michelangelo. He bore the same name, Michelangelo Caravaggio. And in the art world, the only thing that they were aware of was up to that day, there were 64 Caravaggios known to exist. 63 out of the 64 are in art museums and in public galleries. Only one is in private hands. And it was announced to the shock of the art world that there was a piece that they had known that had been painted, a masterpiece, but they had lost track. Nobody had even seen or heard of it for 300 years. How could this be? Well, the owners of this home, they said their great, 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 you get my point, grandfather was a general with Napoleon who would have had access to all kinds of, you know, beautiful things. And it was not un, uh, it's, it's not unbelievable that a masterpiece would have made its way from Italy to France during that time. And so, again, in 2019, the announcement is made. It's a Caravaggio. It's the very painting that is actually a... I'm not going to put the painting up. It's a little bit gross, okay? Uh, but it's actually a painting of a story that comes out of the apocryphal books, all right, of a prophetess who's taking someone's life. So I'll just be real clear about what it is. That's why it's a little gross. But uh, so they, they, they're just like, this is stunning. And as they examined, re-examined it, they said, it's a Caravaggio. It's a lost masterpiece. It was set to go on to auction at Sotheby's in London in 2019. Two days before it went up for auction, it sold privately. Just, I want you to think about this. Days before Mark LaBarbe walks into the attic and recognized a masterpiece, thieves had walked past that painting and dismissed it as worthless compared to the items that they were sure were worth hundreds of dollars. There, behind a mattress covered in dust, grime. It's a masterpiece. Who knew? Well, the previous generations of owners 
They didn't know. Not only did they have it in an attic, they had a mattress laying on it. The thieves, well, we already pointed that out. They dismissed it as worthless. The present owners, they were pretty much ready to throw it in a dumpster. Who knew? Generations of owners decided, well, whatever's in that attic isn't worth their time. Fascinating, isn't it? A masterpiece that almost ended in a dumpster that was dismissed and covered. Beloved, the simple proclamation I want to make this morning over us is, beloved, the masterpiece of the love of God revealed in Christ is the masterpiece of the ages that we have been invited to be fascinated by and to be captivated by. And it is the greatest resource of the human heart and life and no amount of whatever the world would throw against it will diminish its worth. If only they had known. Who knew? God demonstrates the kind of love that he has. Here's what that means. It means that God knows something about himself that you and I don't. Our revelation of love is about this big. And that is why he came. That is the gospel, beloved. That he came to reveal what is unique about his love, that it is self-giving, self-emptying love and forgiveness that is enough for every generation, for every soul, for every life in a world that we're constantly told you only matter because of what you do, who you know, what you own. God reveals something uniquely different in his love. Something that the religious elite and the rulers of his day dismissed. Something that the political leaders of the day disregarded. Worthless. Beloved, the biggest lie of them all in the garden. God isn't enough, or that you're not enough, and that God isn't good. Beloved, it, it really comes down to this. The lie of the garden was that God's love isn't enough. You need something else. The biggest lie that continues to come at our hearts over and over again. God knows what we don't know. What he knows is this, that the masterpiece of his love is enough. His changeless character is enough, and it's revealed in his love. His ways of laying down his life for us is enough to continue to reveal what's needed for 2022 right now today. His unchanging commitment to the human heart is unrelenting, and it's based in his love. And our invitation, our journey, is to discover what God knows, and he wants us to know.
So my simple invitation is this. What does that mean for us in our day-to-day -day walk? It means slow down and take a look at what's been overlooked. The love of God revealed in Christ is not just a story. It's a reality for the human heart day in and day out. Brush off the dust of a transactional God. He didn't die, just die for your sin so that you could get a ticket to heaven. He came in love to reveal the truth about God, which, by the way, when we recognize that, we recognize who we are. Our invitation is an invitation to stunning beauty and vibrance and the goodness and the mercy of God. Who knew? God knows, and he invites us to come and to discover. He didn't come to start a religion called Christianity. He invited us to actually know him, okay, and to reintroduce us to us. Read 1 John 4, chapter 3. Well, start in chapter 3. This is, the, this is the love that the, the Father has loved us with, that we should be called children of God, and that is what you are. In chapter 4, this is love for God. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us and gave himself up for us. So what does that come down to? It comes down to this. Will we come to the place that we recognize these aren't just words to cheer ourselves on in down moments? But, oh, that I would become settled in this reality that Paul proclaims in Romans chapter 8. And he starts out by saying, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. But then he, he goes on, he says, the spirit intercedes for us. And that, that whole chapter concludes with this. Who then will bring a charge against those that... God has called, who will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ, will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword, as it is written, for your sake we're put to death all day long, we're considered as sheep to be slaughtered, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us, for I am convinced, verse 38, that neither death or life or angels or principalities or things present, things to come, nor powers, nor height or depth, or any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who knew? Sometimes I don't. And I live like it. So, by the way, I shared a little bit of this message the other night, and my oldest daughter was in the back of the room and decided to look it up because they said, did he forget to announce how much it was worth? See, I knew it was going to happen. So, all right, all right. I was going to take a little poll in the room, but I won't do that. All right. So, anybody want to, yeah, other than Hammer, who's looked it up, thank you for your confession there, brother. Uh, anyone who hasn't looked it up, want to take a stab at what that masterpiece was valued at? $30 million. Anyone else? 
Going once, going twice. It sold two days before it was estimated to be sold. And the estimate started at 130 and went up to 170 million. So that means it likely sold for more than that. We don't know exactly how much it sold for. Oh, my goodness. You know what? When I read these stories, you know what I want to do sometimes? I want to look in my attic. <laughs> Denise and I, we had an old house that we lived on South Harrison. We heard these stories like there was an old revolutionary musket in the walls. Okay, I'll confess. At one point, I was like, I wonder where it might be. I wonder if somebody hid that treasure in the walls, you know, that those stories that you hear about. My goodness. And that is just exactly the point of this message. What if I go ahead and take a look at the treasure that's been given to me in Christ? Beloved, one of the challenges that we have, Paul says it in Romans 8, I consider that nothing is worth comparing to the love of God revealed in Christ. That the challenges of this life, what do they do? They, they tempt me into believing that it's an old dusty story. It's kind of foggy. I can't really see it clearly right now. But what I can't see clearly are the challenges in front of me. Beloved, I want, to, I want you to consider one of the heartfelt cries of the apostolic fathers that's proclaimed in almost every one of the apostolic prayers in the New Testament. But one of them so clearly in Ephesians 3, but charts, you know, start in Ephesians 1, that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of his son. Chapter 3, this is my prayer, that, that the spirit of God would dwell in you by faith and you rooted and established in love would have power together with all the saints to grasp what's the height, width, length, and breadth, and depth of the love of God. And to know this, that surpasses knowledge that you could be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than what you ask or imagine. Here's Paul's words. There's things that are in front of you. Oh, but here's my prayer that your heart would be captured by the masterpiece called the love of God revealed in Christ. The limitless resource called the love of God. Maybe Maybe we need to take another look in the attic, beloved, and discover the changeless revelation of his love. Now, there's another perspective to this simple message. You see, God looked through the attic of human history. And he saw masterpieces being being dismissed and overlooked, disregarded in this attic of human history filled with the accomplishments of the great and the powerful. 
in a history where men and women marvel at those who can accumulate treasures for themselves at the expense of other human lives disregarded and dismissed as worthless and unimportant. Wars fought with the goal of securing security, significance, and belonging. The empty promises of empire, one after another after another. God looked through that attic of human history. And he saw that the thief came in deep envy. That he could never attain as an image bearer. Said, yep, they really are worthless. But God knows no matter how much his image-bearing masterpiece has been covered by the broken spaces and places of life, it remains his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. And that, beloved, is why he came as well. And he's committed to revealing it. When I look in the mirror and all I see is just this foggy haze, I'm like, what is this? A broken person. God's journey is to embrace humanity. With, and his journey into the attic is not only about revealing his love, but revealing that no amount of dust and decay will destroy what he's placed inside of you. He loves the human frame. Jesus is existing in it forever. You are his masterpiece, and his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to rulers and to authorities in the heavenly realms. So our invitation this morning, beloved, is simple. I want to go look in my attic. Yeah, do that. Sit and meditate upon our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Lord, there's nobody like you. Do that. Consider the stunning beauty of the love of God revealed in Christ. But then don't dismiss the love story that he has revealed, that he came in pursuit of man. Our invitation, beloved, is to say yes today and tomorrow. Don't dismiss the love story of, the, of, of this book as some dusty, irrelevant thing. Allow the Spirit of God to reveal his masterpiece of his love revealed in Christ, which, by the way, invariably, this is why the Scripture says it's like a mirror that we gaze at and we discover that's who. Who knew? He knows. And that's why he chose you and me before the foundation of the world to be holy and to be blameless. He thinks you're his masterpiece. Maybe I should agree with what he says. The good news, beloved, of the love of God revealed in Christ is the greatest revelation and the greatest resource and treasure of the human heart and life. Amen? Lord, I ask you for grace to awaken in us holy curiosity
to reveal the masterpiece of your love. I want to invite you this morning to respond with me. I'll trade this back to you. There you go. Would you guys stand up with me and let's just pray this prayer together. And then we're going to come to the table. And beloved, this, this table of communion is the table that we celebrate the love of God. That we proclaim, Lord, convinced again, here I stand before you. There's nothing like you. So I want to invite you. Let's pray this prayer together. God, you call us to go where Christ leads. Turn us from the ways of the world. Guide us to fullness of joy in the spirit where bodies and souls rest secure. And grant us strength to follow the way of the cross which frees us to love one another. Lord, we want to thank you for the economy of your spirit. Lord, convince us again. This is the economics of your kingdom, that you came in love to reveal love. And that you invite us to live in and from that place to reveal this other than kingdom. And Lord, in a world that, that screams at us that we need power, that we need strength that comes from within us, that we need power that comes from without of us. Lord, we proclaim the love of God revealed in Christ. Lord, we proclaim what Paul said that I've become convinced of, the, of the, uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for everyone who believes. So, Lord, we surrender all of the other distractions before you today. Jesus, we thank you for your life given for us, your blood shed for us, and that you said that as we take of this, your body and your blood, we proclaim your life and your death. We proclaim Christ is risen, Christ has died, and Christ will come again. This isn't just some esoteric proclamation, but it's actually real life reality that you're revealing in our life today and tomorrow. God, we surrender this in faith, and we pray it now in Jesus' name. I want to invite you to come as you feel led. If you came prepared to give, thank you. Uh, just place it in the box there, and then I'll close this in prayer here in a few moments.